You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 303. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks.com. I love using FreshBooks. I'm on my seventh year, and today I just spoke with them. And can I just say their customer service are real people that actually do the things right as you're talking to them. It was amazing. I had to add our foundation and the Airbnbs, the first Lively Detroit project to come into fruition besides the foundation that is going to be happening. You'll be able to stay in an Airbnb that I have created with my Sydney furniture through this new corporation that we're creating here in Detroit in May. So there's more details on that to come, but let me just say for the FreshBooks piece that I had to add Jess Lively Creative Incorporated, the foundation, and also the bookkeeping for this new company as well. So this is now possible because of FreshBooks. They have upgraded, they have an old version of their format, which I've enjoyed for many years, but now I've just upgraded to the new look for their site. The bookkeeping is new and fresh and allows multiple logins for multiple companies. So if you're someone like me that's now entering the realm of having multiple business entities and you wanna have one login and have everything done so simply and super fast, this is a bookkeeping software I would highly recommend. It's easy to add contractors or employees or even multiple bookkeepers, accountants, you name it. It's so easy to use. And the people, if you have any questions, are there to answer them. Like I said, normal business hours, it's like calling someone or walking up to their desk in the office themselves. They're wonderful. And they even have free tutorials and webinars going on. They even had one today if I wanted to take it to get used to the new format of the new look of FreshBooks. So if you wanna give this a try, you can use a free 30-day trial by going over to freshbooks.com lively. And then in the how did you hear about us section, enter the, you know, the lively show or just lively to let them know that you found out from me. I hope you love it as much as I continue to love, love, love FreshBooks. All right, so now let's talk about where I am. I'm in Detroit, but tomorrow, as of the moment this is airing, I am headed to Philly to do the TLS, the lively show, TV show. This is going to be on Saturday, January 19th, 2019, which marks the 10th anniversary to the same day, January 19th, 2009, that I wrote my very first blog spot blog post in order to get a TV show one day. Well, here it is. It's happening one literal decade later, but unlike what I thought I would need, which was a contract like Oprah and Martha Stewart and Ellen DeGeneres through some big TV company. No, I spent 10 years, five of them writing, five of them podcasting on the internet here with you. And now we have a 140 person audience ready to share the day with us. I'm so excited to see how this unfolds and if this continues to become a part of what The Lively Show has been and maybe what it was always intended to be for. So we'll find out. And of course, I'll be sharing more details as the video program is ready to air online in the months to come today's show. I'm excited about it. It's an interview. So no more client session, at least this week, and no solo episode. This is like an old school interview with my friend Erica Gellerman, the financial expert behind theworthproject.co. I love Erica. You may remember her if you've been listening since season four. She's come on the show twice before. And she was someone I met up with while I was in London a few weeks ago, and we were having breakfast, and she was positively radiating peace, joy, and satisfaction out of her life because she had just done this inner voice process with her partner, Jordan, including their new baby, Henry, in the mix in terms of their life and all the shifts they were making. And they were able to tap into their inner voices and plan financially for their future. As she is a financial expert, and this is pretty much her favorite thing on earth, to see her radiate all of this peace and joy and security from this aligned, values-driven inner voice place, it was incredible. And she could not stop talking about it in such a joyful way that I was thinking, you know what? I have a feeling other listeners might find this really interesting because because yes, you can listen to your inner voice and you can get some peaceful answers, but did you know you can also apply it to practical, tangible, and future-oriented events like financial planning? She's gonna go into this interview in depth about how she did this with her partner and the questions you can ask yourself to do the same for your own finances by yourself or with your partner if you have one as well. Let's go to the show. Erica, thank you for coming on the show again. Jess, thank you so much for having me. It's been a while since I've done an interview, although this will not be an interview style episode per se, because you're a good friend of mine and I feel like talking with you is never quite interviewee, but I'm excited to have you back on the show. 
I'm excited to always have a chance to speak with you. Well, for those that are listening, you may or may not remember Erica from two previous episodes. We'll put them in the show note links for this episode. So you can go back and re-listen to more Erica if you'd like. But Erica, for those that are new to this, and since it's been about a year or so since you were on the show, can you tell people a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are? Sure. So I'm an American expat living in London and for most of my life followed a very traditional path. You know, I'm very goal oriented and love to achieve things and went to business school. And when I moved to London with my husband, Jordan, I just started feeling like things weren't really going exactly how they should go. I felt off track. I felt lost in my career, which is what we spoke about, which to be honest, looking back, I can't even believe that was a year ago or a little over a year ago because it just feels like a lifetime ago. And so I felt really lost in my career. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I had been a CPA. I worked in marketing. I went to business school to try and make a career change. And I just was trying to effort my way to a perfect career. And like you say, I was trying to get to the end of the river without kind of enjoying the ride. And so after a lot of inner work, I, I don't know how else to explain it other than like a lot of inner work and a, a little bit of RTT too. Oh, that's right. Just saying, Erica. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my God. That was like the pivotal moment. That was last summer. Yeah, I did it for you. That was like, you were like one of the five people I did RTT for. And it was explaining it to people because I feel like nobody would believe me, like how good it was. And so I think doing RTT with you that summer, it was the best, I don't know how long it was, an hour and a half, two hours. And I came out of that and had so much clarity for being okay with not exactly knowing what the end of the river was going to look like and what the end of my journey was going to look like. Can I, just for those that might be curious, give a high notes of what I took away from like, what was your block from the subconscious? Absolutely. Okay. So for what I remember of Erica before the RTT versus after was that she had this fog about what her next step in the career was. And I was like, why do you want like your like Prince Charming career? Like you're just going to keep flowing and doing different things. But you would had this block to, I need to start something. And if I start something, I have to be the best at it. And I'm only able to take this on if I know for sure ahead of time that I'm going to be able to be super excellent at this and be able to succeed above expectations. And then the RTT revealed that from a young age, you were really, really wonderfully enjoying sports. And out of that enjoyment and love for it, many adults in your life that were very well-meaning and loving, whether they're like adult figures that were more in your family or in your coaching in terms of the sports, they kind of separated you and your talents from just the joy and kind of put a lot of expectation on you. And that felt really uncomfortable to the little girl you. You just were having fun doing all of these things, but all of these other mass consciousness societal expectations were kind of placed upon this young girl. And that subconscious program of I have to be the best in order to, like it's not worth doing it if I can't be the best at it, which was not your innate nature before that young period. It was kind of through the conditioning of your childhood that that became the program that was predominant in your life up until the RTT. And it seemed like after that, it kind of melted away. And you just like, I remember you wanting to like join a pie contest, baking contest. And you're like, and I don't have to win. And it's great. And I can just go do it for the fun of it. Is that a good summation? Your memory is amazing. (laughs) Certain things it, it remembers. Names, not so much, but details like that. I'm fascinated by the subconscious. It's why for those listening also, the Lively Community Foundation, we're going to have one of the programs is going to be all towards RTT training for hypnotherapist grants in exchange doing RTT for trauma experiencers through the community. So more details on that to come once we're ready to roll that out. But it's nice to hear a little bit of your own testimony, even though you didn't have trauma by any means, it still was affecting your life in a deep way. It was completely affecting my life. And one quick note about RTT, I was a complete skeptic. I was like, all right, I'll try this, whatever, expecting nothing to come from it. The RTT session ended. And all of a sudden, I don't have that burden of wanting to be the best at anything anymore. And I just that pressure isn't there. And it's really helped me figure out and flow into my next steps. To be honest, there hasn't been a whole lot of figuring out it feels like things are just kind of unfolding. And as they unfold, it makes sense. Ah, 
Yes, a freaking men, a freaking men. This is the work. This is the work. The work is just flowing from one thing to the next. I love that you're doing it. And it is a huge shift for you as your friend. It's out of my nature. (laughs) No, it's out of your old conditioning. You were a little gymnast that just loved having fun. That's all you ever were. It was the conditioning placed upon you from loving, well-meaning adults based on mass consciousness that they inherited from other well-meaning adults over and over and over again in millennia that you just undid that piece and you went back to your original nature. Yes, that is true. It's still hard for my mind to accept that when I say it out loud because I'm like, wait, is that really what's happening? But it's true. And the more I just kind of let things happen in my career, the more things make sense. So I talked to you a lot about this and I was like, I really love personal finance. I really love this space. That's kind of what I came out of college really being interested in was money and relationships around money and kind of how it works. And I hate the idea of scarcity, but I didn't know how to fit that into a career, into like a mold that I had thought a career should be. Since the RTT session, the more I've just kind of let things happen and see where they take me instead of trying to force it into a career, the more wonderful things are happening. And they just make sense. Once they happen, it's like, obviously, they should be happening. You know, once I get a certain client or, you know, work with a certain brand, it's like, well, obviously, this should be happening. It feels natural. And I can't believe it didn't happen before. Like, it just feels that easy. It really is. And if we just look at it all as setting us up for the next and the next, it's the same for as we always talk about, my mind had always attached to relationship years previously to career. We've made huge strides, both of us. But for those that I know the audience tends to lean towards stress and career more than relationship overall, at least in the coaching classes that I do with people, I can say since usually people have more clarity or ease in the relationship category, this might be an analogy that'll help make sense. It's like saying that what you just to translate into language, relationship speak rather, what you're saying is I just let each thing unfold instead of trying to force it into a relationship. I would just see how this is going and how this is going in this state and this type of person would lead to me understanding I liked this and then this person would share this piece with me and it just unfolded naturally and naturally and then it evolved into what I've looking for. I don't know where it's going next, but you're always, you just amaze me with you and Jordan of being so strong as a couple, but also your ease and openness about the open-endedness that is, which is the same way I feel around career. Like I don't perceive there needing to be any shifts, but I'm also 0% attached to changing things when, if needed. Exactly. It feels so good to now be at this place a year later talking to you. There has been so much strides here, yet the episode is all about a different tangential piece that ties you into season five, of The Lively Show, inner voicing. Now, there was some tension, some contrast that showed up for you before this. It wasn't in the career aspect. Where was it exactly? Because you were doing good on the flow of career. I was doing really well on the flow of career. To be honest, it was the money side of things. And to give your listeners some background, I've always been really good with my money in that I do like what's right and what's expected and I save a certain amount. But there was a lot of disconnect between what I wanted to do in my career and my life and where I wanted to live and feeling very financially responsible and like I needed to continue focusing on retirement. And like for a long time, I talked with Jordan a lot about this, felt like money was very disconnected from the life that we wanted to live. Explain that more. It felt like we were planning our money first and trying to fit our life into that rather than planning our life and then figuring out how the money would support that life. Interesting. Do you think that's unusual for a lot of people, I would imagine, do the opposite? Or what do you think? I think a lot of people plan the money first and then try and figure out how to live within whatever is left over. So I think a lot of people focus on, I need to make this much. I need to save this much. I need to get out of this much debt. And then once all that's done, then I can live my life. At least that's what I've experienced talking to you, some people about this idea. It's like, oh, I would maybe want to go do that, but the money doesn't quite work. Or I would love to teach, let's say. I was talking to somebody and they're like, oh, I'd love to be a teacher, but... And then 85 different reasons why they can't related to money. And so 
that's how I, I felt for a long time. And then I, as I started moving through that, I know Jordan felt that like really felt that way. And we had a baby nine months ago. And I think that put even more pressure on the really stable money plan side of things and making sure that was sorted out. And then we could figure out our life later. Yeah. Well, I would say the thing about you that feels a little different than what I would say the majority of humans right now, or at least the ones I've come across, it's also law of attraction in a way. (laughs) Like, so, you know, with what you're doing and your work with finances and stuff, of course, those people that are interested in finances are also seeking you out. But I would say you guys are like uber responsible when it comes to money, like uber prepared, like the Boy Scout, Girl Scout, Eagle Scouts of money preparedness when it comes to this. You guys are excelling in that category more so than a lack mentality. Does that make sense? Yes. But even though we were excelling, it never felt like enough. Never. It always felt like a scary question mark because I feel like there's so much marketing and messaging out there to tell you, to scare you about the future. So you are always nervous that what you have today isn't enough or what you're doing today isn't enough. I think that's just, yeah, human conditioning and just happens to be applied in this context to money. But I think that's pretty much health, that's wealth, relationship, anything. The mind lives and thrives on time. It doesn't actually exist into the mind, but we haven't got there yet as a species. So one day we'll live in the present and realize our true identity and let go of the rest. But until then, we're operating in this duality. So, all right, the story. Now, I could say for everyone, like, Erica was doing great, but she wasn't feeling great. And that's the big distinction. You were doing great, but weren't feeling that way. I would say, compared to most people on the planet, you guys were doing amazingly. But the story and the emotion didn't support that. Not even a little bit. That's crazy. Like, I'm being real. Like, you're doing really, I know you. You've been doing great for so long. But it really didn't feel that way? No, I am being completely honest. It felt like, you know, when you feel like you've taken one step forward, but then you would look at the rest of the journey ahead of you and be like, well, there could be another recession. Well, you know, Jordan could be laid off. Well, I could never get another client again. Well you know, the roof on our house could start leaking and we'd need another roof. There was just an endless number of things that could potentially come up that felt like we were never quite ever going to be there. The what ifs were chasing you down. Yeah. Okay. So now that's not how you feel. So how'd you get out of that? Well, Jordan and I are both very, we're rhinos as you would call us. Yeah. Back in the season four, unicorn versus rhino. We're both very goal-oriented, like, let's make a plan, let's do this, let's fix whatever problem is in front of us. And so we even bought a book that's called Goals! Exclamation mark. God, when I threw out goals, my business started doubling every year. <laughs> when I had goals, I could barely, barely get them where I'd be just shy. And I could never even goal my way to what's happened. There's no way I could have even imagined it possible. That's so interesting. So this is the problem we were having is we would set these goals and they would either be so unattainable that, you know, because we were setting these goals for like, all right, well, what do we want to do next? Well, when we sat down to talk about it, well, I don't know, you know, like if I'm sitting here being asked that question, I don't really know what I want to do next. And I don't know how we want to financially fix our money to make some changes in our life when we don't really know what those are. And so no plans ever really stuck. We would say like, okay, when we have this much money in the bank, then we'll feel free to go do this. Or, you know, maybe we want to save this much money and travel. Nothing ever felt good. And then I happened to be researching. I was writing an article for a client and I don't even know how I found it, but I found this concept of financial life planning. And it was created by George Kinder. He's a financial planner. And I've never been able to find this article again, but it basically described it as how can you plan your life first and your money second? What can you do to start living the life that you want to today? And I was like, oh my God, I need to start looking into this. And so I went down a rabbit hole and found this whole program that he does and he has a bunch of questions. So I was like, we're going to do this. We're going to try this. Printed out the questions. I handed them to Jordan. I was like, you do your questions. I'm going to sit over here and do my questions. And 
there were really only three main questions. The first question was, if you won the lottery, how would your life change? And so the first question I was like, mm, not really that excited about it. Like, this isn't different than anything else I've heard. This isn't going to help me. And then the next two questions dive deeper. The next question is, if you went to the doctor and you were told you only had five to 10 years to live, what would you change about your life right now? And so went through that question. And by the third question, I was crying at this point as I was doing it because he tells you at the beginning of this to just let go of any inhibitions, just write, 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 write. The objective of these questions for him is for you to actually just start writing and going deep and listening to your inner voice. And that's really what he wants you to get to is to figure out exactly what you want because there are so many different messages and the mind will tell you one thing and you know, you'll think you need to do something, you know, because your partner might depend on you or so it's putting all those things to the side, putting any doubts that you have to the side and answering these questions. And then the third question that he gets to is if you were told you only had 24 hours to live, who did you not get to become? And so when I got to that question, I was a complete and total mess. And I was like, oh my God, who did I not get to become? Because I've been holding myself back. And I just had pages and pages and pages filled with like talking to my intuition. Really, that's really what it came down to was I was just letting everything kind of flow out of me. And there were things that came out that I didn't even recognize were important to me. And then once I went through this exercise, I was like, oh my God, this is what is really important to me and moves my soul and it, it lights me up and it gives me that passion. And why is this not part of my day-to-day -day life right now? What did you hear that surprised you the most? Something that really surprised me was not traveling. Because for the last, I don't know, decade, Jordan and I each have been just loving travel. We've each been to over 50 countries. We've prioritized it above pretty much everything else. We spend a lot of money traveling because we just value it so much, or we thought we valued it so much. And I was so surprised that at least at this point right now today, I don't really want to travel that much anymore. It's not something that's missing from my life. And that was really surprising to me. Okay. So that would change how you're even spending the money because like you just said, you've been doing that. That's been a big portion of where energy and money has been flowing. And now you're like, oh, wait, I kind of feel the same way too. Not that everybody's path is different and their inner voice is calling them towards a different direction. And sometimes what you end up doing is going on big journeys or never doing that if it's not this lifetime or this experience in this season of life. But then even those extreme travel experiences sometimes wrap up where I ended up 45 minutes from where I started two and a half years later. <laughs> Which I love so much. <laughs> and I still go out, but it's actually not nearly, if you asked me that same question, I too would just be like, I could go to Lisbon again, but I don't need to go, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't know. Okay, so keep going. And I saw, I love that you said you had pages and pages. So those are simple three questions, but what you went deep into was far more than just the first three things that crossed your mind. Oh, yes. And I think he tells you in the instructions and his instructions are far better than what I said off the top of my head. But he tells you to, you know, just really tap into your inner voice. Let everything flow out. Don't edit yourself. Don't hold yourself back. And I think going into it with that mindset, just let everything flow onto the page so I could sit there afterwards and say, oh my God, that's surprising. Another thing that really shocked me was I thought when we were done with London that I would want to move back to the Bay Area. Uh, that's where I'm from, San Francisco Bay Area. That's where our family and our friends are and we love it. But I came out of that and I was like, that's not what I want to do next. Maybe it will be in the future, but today, right now, that's not where I want to go. And we had been saving and putting all this time and effort and money into getting us back there and going through that. It was shocking to me to say, no, wait, I don't, I don't want that right now. This is surprising. What came in that you didn't realize was there? You know, actually, I don't think we talked about this at breakfast the other morning, but one thing that I struggled with a little bit was how much to work and how much time to spend with Henry. And I think I was falling into the trap of 
mom guilt a little bit where like I wanted to spend time with him, but I wanted to work and I didn't know it was right. And I didn't know it was best for his development. And I was overthinking everything. And I came out of this and realized that I really do want to work more than what I had been working. So I wanted to get childcare in place for him, better childcare, more consistent childcare so that I could do the work. I joke with Jordan that we need to not call it work anymore (laughs) so that I could do the fun because that was what was missing from my days. And that really surprised me that I would want to go do that. And having it come through this process, I don't have mom guilt about it because I know that this is truly, truly, truly what I want deep down. And so that's going to be what's best for me and my family and Henry. So that was surprising. Okay. So is there any words that flowed to you from your inner voice that the mind was like, whoa, I didn't see that coming? Any phrasing or any words specifically besides just the values you just shared? One thing that kept coming up over and over and over again as I was doing this was, it's okay to change. It's okay to change. It's okay to change. So I think that was me and my inner voice and everything letting go of the plan that I had created, like the spreadsheets that we have for our next move, you know, (laughs) like, I think it was honestly just telling me to flow. There's no other word other than flow. Just it's okay. It's okay to change. That's beautiful. I love I got goosebumps as you said that. I don't know if anyone else did listening. But when you said that, sounds like the soul's reassuring the mind and going, it's okay. It's okay. It really was holding its hand along the way. Okay, so now one of the things I love about this is that this is just the deep dive into your soul inner voice to guide you to these more aligned ways of viewing your life. But then this subject of money, I think, is one of the most confusing for people to think that they can merge the inner voice with something so practical and day-to-day and fundamental as money. So how does that then go back to spreadsheets? Because... We can do all these things. We can have these breakthroughs, shed the tears, hold the soul's hand. But what do you do? Because you are still that planner, that jokingly called a rhino type personality, but you found a way to merge them. So what do you do once you get the tears, once you wipe them away, what did you do to make this back into the world of the concrete and the tangible? Yeah. So I should mention that after I came up with my what my inner voice was telling me to do, Jordan had to share what his inner voice was telling him to do. So that happened before we sat down with the spreadsheet. But we, you know, talked it out and got to a place where we both felt like our needs were being met and not in a way that was dimming the other person's light. Was there any conflict in that? Let's like go into that a little bit. Was there conflict or alignment in there? Um, mainly alignment. The conflict actually was within our own selves. So Jordan had to deal with his own conflict because part of his ideas of what he thought he wanted to do or what he may end up wanting to do in the future was like being a ski bum or a mountain man or, you know, going around the world and like adventuring. And he thought that was going to be what he wanted. And then he had a conflict with his inner voice saying like, no, actually what my real value right now, my real value is that I want to be around Erica and Henry and I want to spend like very precious moments with them because he travels a lot for work. And so that was, we each had our own kind of internal conflicts to deal with. And so by the time we got to a point where we shared them with each other, there wasn't a lot of conflict. I can say like, I know... It is so we are such a funny odd couple in terms of our minds and the stories. It's funny because we both just have minds that then just have the perceived story and conflict in different aspects. But it's not that you have a problem with money or career. And it's not like I have a problem with relationship or anything. It's just the mind is attaching attachment and craving to different aspects of life. But it's just the function of the mind doing that in whatever area it's attached to. It has nothing to do with the subject itself for either of us. It's just the mind doing its mindly thing. But one of the things I found super ninja level about you is when you told me that piece about the mountain man element in the conversation over breakfast, you said, 
you know, I'd like to support you in that. If, you know, Henry and I could do without you for a few months, if that's what you need to go do. And I was just thinking, all right, in my team, if someone on my team needed to do that, that's exactly what I'd say. But in a relationship to not have that partner not around me at all times, oh my gosh, OMG, how would I live without that? And I was like, wow, look how attached my mind is to one relationship in my life, but not the other. Like, that's just fascinating, but also I think a true testament to how aligned and how much that alignment allows freedom for the other person in your life. Yeah. So yeah, there weren't big conflicts that came up. I will say the one thing that came up was his skepticism over how the money would work. So I went through this whole process and I was like, this is great. We know how we want to live right now. We know how we want to kind of change what we're doing right now to be more in line with what we want from our life and just how we want to experience things. And I was like done, sold. And he was the one who was very much about the numbers. And so we got out our spreadsheet because that's how we operate. And um, it's actually a shared Google Doc. So we can both be on computers and watch the numbers. (laughs) How romantic. (laughs) I know. It really is. It really is. Wait, do you want to go into Jordan's big aha moment around the car? Oh, yeah. So he had a lot of internal conflicts, I guess. So one of the values that came up for him was he really, really cares passionately about the environment. It's a huge, huge topic for him. It's something that he, I honestly think he could dedicate every hour of his day to, and he would be so happy. And as he was going through this, he has this really cute car out here in England. It's adorable. I want that car. I love that car. I mean, it's really cute. It's not a practical family car, but it's really cute. And so he had wanted it for years when we had lived over here. Once we moved over here, he saw it like the first month and he was like, I need that car. He bought it a couple of years ago. And the plan was to ship this car to wherever we go next. And he had all these great like visions of Henry growing up and driving his prom date to prom in that car. And, you know, there was a lot of love for this car. And as he's going through this process, he realized I care so much about the environment. I don't care about a car like that. It's not a deep-seated, like deep-rooted value for me. It's not part of, you know, what I see, my vision for how I want to live. And I don't want to ship this car halfway around the world because it's not good for the environment. I don't want to drive a, you know, fuel car and wants to kind of adopt a carless life. And I'm fully on board with that. So we want to move someplace. We'd like to move to Hawaii. That's where we're planning to move next once we're done in England. And everything that we're looking at is very walkable. You know, we want to bike places and use public transportation and live a life without a car. It's kind of like my marble table. If anyone saw that old vlog where I did my home tour of Ann Arbor the half hour before I sold my house and all the furnishings, but I said, I'm going to die with this table. This marble table is going to be my tombstone, blah, blah, blah. So many people have asked me about that marble table. It's still in the same house. The girl that I said I'm going to take it from, she totally gets to own it. Like, I'm never going to go back for that. I don't even want that table. It's not even my style anymore. But I felt as attached as Jordan did to that car, which is freaking adorable. Maybe I'll buy it from him. (laughs) But uh (laughs) I love that car. Anyways, it was his marble table. The thing that the mind attaches its identity to so much, but is ultimately not in the soul's necessity forever. It's just a piece of the journey. It's actually really beautiful because it stays a piece of your journey. It just doesn't need to stay in your physical life. Yeah. And you know, it's funny when we talked about it and he said, I want to sell the car. I was like, all right, sure. And I thought he would change his mind. And last weekend, he was like, no, I want to sell the car right now. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Like, well, let's let's hold on for a second. Like, if you want to, okay. But, like, are you sure? And so that's my mind worrying about him making a rash decision. But he knows so deep down that this is right. And not having it is – he needs it gone. So – Because he found out what's deeply true for him. This is the power of the inner voice. The stories we tell just keep us stuck in old patterns. And like your inner voice said, it's okay to change. Yep, exactly. Okay, let's get back to your date on the spreadsheet. 
the the date on the spreadsheet. So one thing from this life planning book was he suggested sitting down and writing out three budgets. So one is a like bare bones budget. One is a moderate budget and one is like a fun, your live in your life budget. And so we sat down and we like wrote those out and it actually, I mean, because we like spreadsheets and numbers, it didn't take very long. And we came up with our three budgets and the book kind of says, in his opinion, he's like, if you can live off this lean budget and if you can figure out how to make that work, you should go do what you want to do. And if you can't, and if you're not there yet, what small trade-offs can you make starting today to get you there? So for us, we did the three budgets and we realized like, okay, this was actually really helpful in getting Jordan on board with moving to Hawaii. Because when we first talked about it and thought about it, he was very, very nervous about how the money would work. And we were not disagreeing, but I just, I didn't want to talk him into it. I wanted him to get there on his own and going through this exercise helped him assign dollar values to it. So we did things like, all right, what would it look like? How can we financially make this work? Well, one thing is we've been saving to ship this car around the world and that's not you know cheap. So what does life look like without a car? So that changes our money significantly. So now that money we've been saving and also the maintenance on a car, you know, we no longer have to have the funding for that. Another thing was then with me wanting to go work more, my income was going to change. And I know the childcare costs go up as well. But at the end of the day, like looking at the actual numbers, it gave us a little bit more wiggle room. A third thing that this really helped us do was challenge some assumptions that we had around retirement and how much we need to be saving and what that future life looked like. So we have a a rental home in the Bay Area and we had always thought we would keep it as a rental and then someday save up and buy a house for us to live in when we wanted to move back there. And that puts a lot of financial strain on you when you feel like you have to have this house for retirement and that's going to be what floats you through retirement and sitting down and looking at the numbers we said well all right if we're not sure we want to move back to the bay area do we have to have this rental house and is this something that's really holding us back from pursuing bigger dreams and so we said well what does retirement look like without this house and it turns out this big thing that we had always put up as like a block you know we have to have this house for our retirement. This is our retirement. That wasn't true. And it took us questioning that and sitting down and saying like, you know, do we actually have to do this? Because our inner voice is telling us to do something different. And so if we follow that, you know, does that actually still hang with our future retirement plans? And it did. And that was so shocking to me and to Jordan too, to sit down and say, oh my God, everything we had thought about retirement and about how we wanted to live isn't necessarily true because of the way we've decided we want to change our life. So to summarize, it sounds like it's more financially advantageous for you now that you know what you're really being called to do to get rid of the house? Exactly. Yes. Thank you. You said it so so well. (laughs) So time to sell what I thought was my final asset. Yep. How nice to know that now instead of 10 years from now, five years from now, or when you died. Exactly. I would hate to be 85 and be like, oh, wait, (laughs) I actually didn't want this. And this big thing held me back. Amen. All right. So what was it like to approach Jordan to do this? Because obviously you found this article and book and you resonated with it so strongly that you were compelled to do all of this. Was it easy to get him on board with that? Or how would you suggest any other partners that want to approach their partner do so? It wasn't difficult to get him on board because I think he also was feeling, he didn't really know what was next and he felt very nervous about our future too. So he was in the same exact place. And so when I approached him and said, hey, there's these questions and I want you to take some time doing this, time is very precious. And like when Henry's napping, he usually likes to work out or, you know, go 
do actually something for him. And so for me, me saying like, can you sit down and do these questions? He luckily was, was on board. And I explained to him, like, you can take as much time or as little time as you want, but I would really appreciate it if you kind of looked through and like gave it some real thought. And I thought he was going to be done in like 15 minutes. And he, I think as soon as he started reading the, what it was all about, he could see where this was leading and how this was starting to open him up to new ideas and new things. And so we both ended up taking over an hour to write this. So to summarize this, if I was to make, tell me if I'm getting this right. Before, you were obviously always passionate about the subject of money. Both of you were. I would say you both have been succeeding amongst the population of the world by the top one, one, one percent. You know what I mean? You guys were doing great, but you didn't feel emotionally like that. So it doesn't even matter what the reality is because it's the emotion that's creating what you perceive to be your experience. So you were having this idea around money and the budgets came from concepts starting with numbers and then drilling down like I need to make this and then what do I do with the money that I make which is x let's say for examples I need to make a hundred thousand dollars and then you broke down what a hundred thousand dollars would get you in each area of your life and then you projected future stages of life like retirement based on well if I'm making and used to spending a hundred thousand dollars every year how do I retire with something equivalent blah 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 but this was reversing it and instead of saying what do I get for a hundred thousand dollars it's what do I want and then looking at well what does that require financially and then extrapolating that out into the future and using the numbers to follow the soul rather than vice versa Exactly. Once you go through the questions, listen to your inner voice and come up with like this, this is what I want. And this is what I'm so passionate about. And you're lit up the numbers part. I know this sounds insane. And I would think I was insane if I hadn't done it. It works. You end up making it work. So, you know, you sell the car, you sell the house, you prioritize things in such a way that all of your obstacles, you find a solution for them. And what's interesting is in this solution with, let's say, Jordan's car is a great example. It's actually, I've met him too. He can't stop talking about environment. Like he's the most environmentally focused human I've ever met. So he's had the joy of the car that he's always wanted. But the deeper alignment within him truly is that eco life that aligns with maybe not having that car. Exactly. Like it's a more authentic life than he could have imagined before because he didn't know. It's just like me on the marble table. There's nothing wrong with valuing that thing and thinking this is a part of our identity, but new aspects of our life emerge and those things that we've attached to no longer necessarily serve and we can let them go. And that is, like you said, it's also aligning you with the financials that support it. Exactly. You have it. You could do it. Yeah. I remember thinking back in my previous like relationship, we had two different ways of looking at finances or abundance, if you will. I remember our Ann Arbor house was going to get renovated and cost X amount of dollars. Or at the end, you know, house cost plus renovation is going to mean the house equals X. And it was a big number for us at the time. And what's interesting is I knew I wanted to have a life where finances were not an issue. So I wanted to have the level of skill or awareness or problem solving so I could have whatever life, be wherever I wanted to be, live wherever I wanted to live, which for me always is like walking. I just love walking. I'm just not that interested in driving, at least at this phase of my life. And I've never been a big driver. So I just want to have the house I want to have where I'd like to have it, but I don't want the finances to be an issue. So I don't want the more money, more problems thing. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just going to, and this is my like older rhino days myself. So I, at that stage, I was like, I'm just going to figure out how to get the personal development skills so that that's not a problem. And then equally valid and equally important but different was my previous partner's point of view, which was I don't need X amount of house dollars to have a happy life. I just don't need a lifestyle that is that number. And I was like, well, I don't care what the number is. It could be 100,000 or 200 million. I don't care what the number is. I just want to be able to have what I want. The money is not something I'm looking at. I just want no problems and have what I enjoy. And so we both were going for joy. We just did it in different ways. And what's interesting, looking back on it all now, 
is that I've actually reflected recently. I've you know gone through the energy. I've gone through all the elements of season four or season five of the show. And here I am in Detroit living three years later alone, actually, solo on my own income in a property that costs almost identical to what that house renovation project would have cost. And I have exactly manifested what I set out to do, which is I have less problems, less concerns, and have the house where I want to have what I want. You know what I mean? I literally manifested that. And so did he in his own way, in his own life, in his own place. He did that. I don't need to have that to be happy. And that's one of the things I always appreciated that we never personally had to we got to support each other in both of those things rather than rope each other into either one of them that's not everybody's path some paths are different and you find a meeting point in the middle but for us among other reasons that wasn't what was right for us so i'm so glad we were able to support each other and not try to cram each other into the other person's box it's just so funny now i didn't think when i bought my detroit condo it didn't occur to me until later. It struck me as like, oh my gosh, I literally now have a property the same value. And I feel so liberated because it's like an investment for me. It's like I got to use the money in a way that was meaningful to me. And also like the mortgage is so much cheaper than the Australian place I was living in. And so it's just like, wow, I feel so great and easeful about this situation. Now I have the Detroit condo, which we're using as the Airbnb, the lively adventure for everyone else. And I'm just like, wow, be aware of what you set your intention to. Neither one, what I want to stress here is that like his point of view was just as valid as mine and just as worthy of being manifested. And that's what he did. And the same goes for me. So neither one was wrong or right. It's just beautiful that both get to exist within each of our experiences. I love that so much. And you're, you're right. Neither one is right or wrong. Yeah. No, no, they're both valid. It's just which one aligns most with you and your experience and soul and calling. Or maybe it is finding a middle ground for some couples. I'm not saying everyone should do that. And that was not the only decision factor. It was actually a knowing. It wasn't even a list of pros and cons or this or that. It was just a knowing and a clarity and a peace and an alignment that was really the ultimate. But that was an aspect of this alignment in this way that it goes to finances and is just so fascinating to me to look at, like you said, starting with the type of life you want. I never thought about the top line number. That was never important to me. It was just being able to have a life without stress that I enjoyed. And so the numbers have now supported that, but they were never the driver. The numbers followed. That's beautiful. My arms are up. I'm like, yes, exactly. Okay, my friend, people are going to be wondering, what is this book article thing that you did? Because I'm sure so many people want to know and how they can do it themselves. Yep. So it's called Financial Life Planning by George Kinder. And the book is called Financial Life Planning. And he also has a website that's lifeplanningforyou.com. And it was great, obviously. <laughs> and you feel ready to make these bigger changes. And already some of them have happened. Like the car sounds like it's on its last hurrah with you guys. The house maybe getting sold. Any other big changes? You know, we've made small adjustments to our day-to-day -day that reflects how we want to live. And so they are small, but they're, you know, how we eat, how we shop, how we spend our time. You know, part of the exercise is creating your ideal day. And so we're making changes to our days to match our ideal day, even though we're not in Hawaii yet. And, you know, all of these other things haven't come into place. We're making small changes to live that life right now. What changes have you made in London? Actually, one really simple change that we've made was, as we've talked about, Jordan is very, very excited about the environment and it's his passion. So one thing he really wanted to do was he wanted to eat all organic. He wanted to have all local food, all wild caught, all and produce zero food waste. So that's, yeah, a lofty goal. However, I will say at first went back to my numbers brain and I was like, do you know how much that's going to cost to eat like that and to do that? And but we started making the changes. We now wake up on Saturday. We go to the farmer's market. There's a local fisherman there who sells his fish. I had no idea that he sold his fish three blocks from our house. And we've now gotten into just this beautiful place with food where we are producing 
pretty much zero food waste on a week-to-week basis and eating exactly the way that we wanted to eat in the future, but just now. And it feels really good. That's awesome. Something that was there. And actually, what a fun adventure in the place you're at to meet the fishermen. It was really nice. I can't believe where we lived for two years and I haven't ever found him. So it was really nice. I'm so glad you feel so much peace around this. It's like it's like smearing the butter of the the balm of your soul from your career into money. Yeah, it is. Spreading it out, spreading it into more peaceful aspects and areas and crevices. The nooks and crannies, they're all getting smoothed out. They are, and it feels great. Well, thank you so much. I know when we were at breakfast, you could not stop bubbling forth with just the pure joy of it. And that's where I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to resonate for people because when they hear their inner voice, sometimes it feels so uh, ethereal or intangible that something like future planning in the present moment with the inner voice sounds impossible on a subject like money. But you're an example of how that has actually shifted you in the present moment. The shifts you're making, they will happen in future now moments as well. But you're actually doing them now, like the farmer and the fisherman and the car changes and all the now moments leading up to the time we moved to Hawaii. Yep, exactly. We're living it now. And that was the best part of this whole process. Living in the now is always the best part, yes, of any process. It's all there is. (laughs) Yes, that's true. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad I met you. (laughs) Likewise, my friend, I love you so much. How's Hattie doing with all this? Hattie's the dog, by the way, the cutest dog in the world. How's she doing with all these financial changes? Has she caught up with her soul and her inner voice? <laughs> you know, I think Hattie needs to do some financial life planning. She's <laughs> she's wonderful. She's doing just great. She'll come with us wherever. She will lay on a patio in Hawaii and be perfectly happy, I'm sure. All right. So what would you tell someone just starting out on this journey? It's okay to change what you thought maybe you wanted before. It's okay to not want that going forward or to change and just know that that's all we are. That's what makes life exciting is changing and okay with letting yourself develop. You can get rid of that marble table or that car (laughs) or that rental home. You can get rid of it all. And the nice thing is those cars still exist and so do marble tables. Exactly. No, it's not a permanent decision. Like it can be, but it doesn't have to be. Exactly. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Erica, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Jess. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Erica, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you want to send me a message on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C as in Cashflow Lively. And if you want to find Erica on Instagram, you can find her at theworthproject.co. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash Erica Gellerman and then the number three. As for where I'm headed to next, I am headed off to Philly for the Lively TV show. Like I said, so excited to be meeting up with all 140 of you. If you are coming, I will see you there. I am so honored, excited, curious, present, aligned. I'm just so excited for this, guys. Let's see what happens next. I don't know. It's going to be fun, though. Let's find out. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today.